This is Gabriel, Saving Bernice, Part 15, Finding Rachel. After doing my little pirouette and getting hit in the arm, I fell in line right next to the boy on the other side of him. And I said, man, you really got this down pat, son. I told him. He looked up at me and smiled, saying, I do? (laughs) I said, you're the best I've ever seen, I replied. I then said, listen, for your age, you're doing really well. And then I said, he said to me, I'm doing pretty good, huh? Yes, yes, you are, I said. He looked back down at his feet. Now he was really trying to concentrate even harder to show me how good he was. What a little doll. Kids are cute, aren't they? When, When he wasn't looking, Bernice mouthed to me the words, thank you, and then I says, I have some good news for you. After I got home from work today, I showered, made a few phone calls, and I think we have an agent. She'll be calling me, and then we'll three-way call you, or however it'll go. Her name is Rachel, and I think she will be everything we're looking for. I don't understand how you do it, Gabriel. All I can say is thank you so much for sticking by me through all this. And I said, no problem. I could see out of the corner of my eye that daughter had a watchful eye on me. And she saw my entrance and everything that followed Not that she was going to warm up to me or anything, but I think she was going to tolerate me a little longer. Poor thing has to go back to the man she loves and tell him and report to him. And the guy knows how to skate, Dad. Is he as good as your old man? No. No, not at all, she'll tell him, her daddy. I thought to myself, you know, of course she isn't going to say the truth. She loves her daddy, and I don't blame her. I would hope my daughters would do the same for me. So we finished skating, and I bought everybody pizza at the snack shop that they had there. The two girls took their slices and sat at another table and didn't want to be bothered with us. Okay. 
And the boy and Bernice and I sat there at another table, and we were giggling and carrying on and, you know, having fun. And she was missing out, I thought. And that boy was giving, getting overly excited, though. That was a problem. He couldn't really control his... um his emotions yet. And I could tell he was starting to squeal like his mother. (gasps) It was okay, though. He's six and a half, and he's allowed to squeal, I thought to myself. I can remember driving in the car with my girls and them squealing in the back seat, just giggling and carrying on, and my wife looking over to me and saying in a real calm voice. That was her demeanor, very calm all the time. No emotion. I had to draw it out of her. Do you hear them back there? Yes. Yes, I do. And I would just keep driving. And then about 30 seconds later, she would say, are you going to do anything about this? Are they bothering you, honey? I would say, and this happened more than once, folks. She would say, doesn't that annoy you? Questioning me. And I would say, you mean them having fun? And I would point with my thumb behind me. They're screaming, she would say. Just like that, no emotion. And very soft and calm. No, no, they're having fun. That's called what we call in America, having fun, honey. That's the definition of fun. If they were quiet, then I'd be worried. And it doesn't bother you, she would ask. No, not in the least a matter of fact. If I could, I'd go back there and you drive. Oh, forget it, I'd say. And she would just turn her head real somberly and look out the window, fuming. That was my marriage, folks. Okay, I'm getting off my soapbox now. So, we were sitting there, and I told her about the lady I had found uh, just from the conversation with the receptionist. I really have a good feeling about this one, I said, Bernice. And I hope you do too, sweetheart. I asked, well, we'll decide together after speaking with her together on the three-way call. I said, how's this going to work, Bernice says. Which part? It's simple, I said. We'll ask her a series of questions, tell her how much we have to work with, and whatever I say, you go along with me, please. What does that mean, Gabriel? 
Bernices, and we we were still sitting at the table, and I could tell the little guy was really starting to get tired and antsy. He had stopped. Remember what I say when they get quiet? That's the time to check it out. Well, he was tired, and he was antsy, and I could tell. He was on his last leg. It was time for us to go home. Call me tonight when they're asleep, and I'll fill you in on all the rest, honey. Okay? Right now, you need to get these kids home before they fall out right here. He's going to sleep all the way home, honey. I said, we have plenty of time tonight to talk about it. But like I said, I think we found our realtor. Honest to goodness. I helped her pack the kids into the van. Two girls sat in the very back, and the boy sat right behind Bernice in some kind of high chair. That was the new law. They had to be strapped in until they were four feet tall at least. How sad. It would never have worked for my mother. She would have gotten ticket after ticket. One time, here we go again, folks, and I apologize, but that's why you're here to hear stories. Okay, we were playing this song over and over over on my mom's new 8-track player that she had installed in her station wagon. We were on our way to VP, VBS, and there must have been, well, there was four of us, and we each had us f- friends, and we couldn't count, you know. Who cares? We were all going to vacation Bible school that summer, and all of a sudden a policeman pulled us over. We had that station wagon packed. I mean, like you see kids with their face up against the window. Not quite that bad, but bad. And, you know, We were packed in there, and we were all singing the Tommy Rowe song. Dizzy, my head is spinning like a whirlpool, it never ends. And we were singing that same song over and over. It was number one. And so we, all everybody, including my mother, and the cops stopped her, and, and we pulled over, and she got out and he asked her, how many kids do you have in there? And she didn't know there was something wrong. She said, as, <laughs> as many as I could cram in there, sir. And she didn't know there was something wrong with that. She said, we're heading to church. You realize there's a law against that? What? Kids singing? 
she asked the cop, no, the number of children that you have. Well, that's all I could fit. No, ma'am, you don't understand. (laughs) And he took pity on her, thank the Lord. You're only allowed a certain number of children in your vehicle. Oh, oh, okay, I apologize, she said. And back then, cops were cool. He said, get them to church in one piece. Can you promise me that? And turn down that music. That's what caught my attention, ma'am. Yes, sir, I'll do it right away. The cool thing about Chicago suburbs is that if you go a half a mile, you're honest to goodness in another town altogether. Different policemen and different speed limits. So you better know where you're at. One speed limit in one town is 30. The other town is 20. And the other one's 35, depending on the town you're in. And they're looking for you. And they know. If you don't know where you're at, you're getting a ticket. And a speeding ticket, you know talking your way out of that. It was a real racket back then for that. Anyways, at a young age, we learned the borders of this town and that town. We learned them. We used to do a thing called, now wait for it, folks, riding your bikes and exploring. Yes, I said that way back in the olden days. And if you got thirsty and if you saw a garden hose, your clutch of kids that you were with would all get yourself a drink and then off you went again. As soon as we got a block into the next town, and we knew that cop would never come there because it's different cops. We had three towns to go through. So we started singing again, all of us, and my mom turned the music up as loud as she could again, And we had a good childhood. We really did when it came to this. My mother taught us to enjoy the moment that we were in. Don't worry about tomorrow or yesterday. Just enjoy the moment you're in. And that's how we lived. That night, Bernice called me. It was about 9.30. We had had a routine by now. We would talk for a half hour, and then we would say our goodnights. By 10 o'clock, it was bedtime for me, folks. Yes, you heard it correctly. I was starting to get old. I was probably almost 50 years old by now, and the work I did was hard, hard labor. But this night would be different. I knew I had to use kid gloves on her and go over everything with her slowly and precisely 
so that she could catch everything that I was saying. And I had to do it slow. Okay, and at this point in my life, if you've heard my other books or podcasts, I used to have five levels of energy that I knew of that I could work off internally. Okay, now I only had two left, and I knew it. I knew what I was capable of now. But you don't tell nobody. That's something you keep to yourself. Yes, you start feeling it, and you heard old-timers say that to you. Well, I used to be like that. Yeah, sure, Pops. You know, you would say back to him. Whatever you say, sir. Short conversation because I was tired. I was off my routine. And my legs were sore, folks, from all that skating. But that's just me. Back to the story. So I told her what I did from the time I got home after my job slowly and precisely. Then I told her the idea that I came up with with the receptionist instead of speaking to a man and spinning my wheels that was probably a realtor, I decided to go after the receptionist. And I found one that would guide me to the right person. Okay, if they didn't, I would say, they would tell me, and then they didn't have anybody like that in their office, and I would thank them and thank them for their time and thank them for being honest with me and then hang up. People need to hear adulation. Every once in a while, especially, especially the receptionists, think about it, folks. They get mean people or they get stiff people or they get yelled at for somebody else's shortcomings, but they never get praised for what they have to endure. So I decided to give them a little. Every time I spoke to a receptionist, even if they couldn't help me, I thanked them so much. It was important to them. After I was done explaining everything to her, it was about 10.30. I was way past my bedtime, but she understood everything, and I just... I said, capiche? She said, capiche. And then she said, I love you, Gabriel. I don't know how you came into my life, but I'm thankful. And I said, good night, sweetheart. No problem. I know this Rachel will call us tomorrow, and 
it's the woman we're looking for, and she'll be on the phone first thing if she is the woman we're looking for. And so if I'm at my job working in the garage, I'll take the call and I'll ask her if she could call back so we can three-way call her. Okay, honey? And I'm sure she will, no problem. And I'll even give her a time. What do you think? I'll even give her a time, like, say, 1 o'clock. So be ready, honey, please. And that, and does that mean I can't call you until 1 o'clock, she says? And I said, no, honey, you can call me as many times as you want. Until 1 o'clock. I don't care. Nobody hears you. I have an earpiece in my ear. And so just call me anytime you want. Nobody's in the garage usually with me. I love you and good night, Gabriel, she said. And I said, good night. Please. Be quiet, I'm trying to do a podcast down here.